you know, because you're the special guest. So wait, let me ask you a yeah. question. I mean, yeah, hook me up with a good And one. you're an artist, Mira. Vite. Davidoff Art Edition. Ah. Davidoff. Damn, I used to wear this. Vite. Cool water. That's right, bro. Making their own cool cigar. water. Then I think you didn't wear cool water. No, I was a Fahrenheit uh, 9-11 guy. <laughs> Wasn't that no, what it was called? What it's called? No. I don't know. I oh, that was the movie. Yeah. No, but Fahrenheit. It was the Fahrenheit movie. 51? No. No. It was just Fahrenheit. Maybe it was just Fahrenheit. I think it was like just Fahrenheit. Dark. Now that, now that yeah. we're talking and about it. And I was an Isi Miyake guy. Oh, wow. Dang. That was like, wow. That went no problem. Hey. This is all radio. Not even radio. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. He's got an Instagram. Don't follow, so don't, don't follow him. I don't encourage that. You shared. You shared that story. He picked yeah, up like did. three I followers. Heard that. I heard that. Yeah. It was pretty funny. And I, th- I think your, I think your executive pastry chef, Devin. I don't know her, so I don't care. But she is. She doesn't know Petey either. She's following Petey. She's not following me, <laughs> which is pretty that great. Sounds like a Devin thing. To I'm do. So, I, I love that. Petey's gonna be huge. Just a matter of time before he has listeners in New Hampshire. Are we recording? Yes, yeah, we've been sure. recording for four minutes. Great. Nice. That's going to be good. Yeah. So you want to be, like, about that distance. All right. Yeah. You've never in fact, with a microphone you're, before. In fact, you're gonna be, first time, since you're going to be talking to Mike, that's... Am I? Most of the time? For the most part. I'm just kind of hanging out. All right, cool. Uh, but I'll do, I'll do our little intro, Mike, if you'd like for me to take that off your shoulders. I think we should use all the four minutes of All this? Oh, no, talk? this will get used. Oh, it's going to be four minutes before people hear the music. Welcome to Tea Time. Oh, no, it's wrong show. Oh, wrong show. No, uh, I don't think we have enough time to record one of those episodes. Oof. Tea Time with Mike and Mike is long format. Long format? Three hours. Two and a half hours. I heard that. Are you ready for, you ready for a... Hour. We try. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Oolong format. Ooh. <laughs> Oolong. Wow, Bite. using it. Bite. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. That's why, <laughs> I'm, dri- that's why I'm driving this bus. He's going to like that one. He's going to like that one. <laughs> Light up. This is good. Pumping up. What, what do you think? Smoking it, what do you bro? think, man? There's only top-notch cigars here for the cigar snob. For sure, man. You guys know each other before this? No. We do not know each other. But we know some of the same oh, people. It apparently. seems like very natural for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, what I love about Mario is it's kind of like me. Like, doesn't matter where he's at. He's friends. I don't give we a fuck. We can all be friendly. Yeah. We're all good. Yeah. I'll at the bar talking to whoever. It doesn't matter to me. Can I tell you a great story about Mario? Go for oh, it. shit. I remember there was a very tumultuous time in my life, and... A lot, of, a lot of things were happening. Mario came to eat at my restaurant with some people that didn't necessarily like me too much. Okay. And the only person, don't look at me. Well, really? Yeah, yeah. The only person that got up from that table to talk to me, mind you, people that have known me for over a decade, was Mario. I'm legit. Oh, I know you're legit. Ooh, that wit that doesn't Don't like worry you. About it. We can't we can't call out names. Talk about call, it after. Yeah, we'll talk about it. You can bleep it if you want. Yeah. This was a while ago. It had to be a while no, ago. No, yeah. This was uh, like over yeah. When this first opened? No. Two maybe two years ago. Okay. Maybe two years ago. Interesting. I feel like we've narrowed it way down, so yeah, if they're I hearing this, I, I they think, know who they I are. I think I kinda know, but Nah, it's to, it's totally fine too. Like if they know, they know. And they can go fuck themselves good, if they know. Wow. Yeah. They were probably just really hungry and they wanted to sit down the whole time. Nah, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> Mario Obergon, everyone. What's going on? Hey, man. You want to tell the people who this guy is? Me. God, I don't like... The, you, you're it the man of so you many don't like it. This is not... You, no, you're, is. you're making the show. Other people have to listen to it. I understand and they want to know that, why but here. it's the most worthless part of it's radio. It's really not worthless. It really is. Number one, this isn't radio. Number two, it's really not it's worthless. True, it's not radio. It's not radio. But it's, is, it's not worthless to know what the fuck you're listening to. It's not about what you're... Li- forget about it. 
It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Seriously. It's just a whole, like, whatever. Anyways. I'm really nobody. No, you are so many things. No. Come on. This, I have to say, you are one of my most interesting friends. Really? Oof. Yeah. Damn. I don't have many friends, though. All right. But. I knew that. You. <laughs> <laughs> But you are one of my most interesting. Now, share with everyone all the plethora of things that you do. Start your day in the morning. In the morning. Yes. I start off with some music. Okay. Always. I mean, I wake up, my alarm is music, music, music. I try to play some piano. I'm trying to learn the piano. I used to play when I was younger. So I'm trying to learn that. I try to start my day with 30 minutes, 45 minutes with a little piano. Then I go to work. Um, Family-owned insurance agency. There you go. That's what you do. That's your nine to five. That's my nine to five. Super fun insurance. Just kidding. It's not that fun, but it's cool. Helping people out. They get injured, whatever they need. I'm there to help them. You heard it here first, everyone. Nine to five. My five to nine back again is the music. Um, I really can't stop thinking about music all day. So that's pretty much consumes me 24-7, 365, 366 on a leap year just in case. You know yes. what I mean? Um, and that's it. And I do a little mission work on the side. There different countries. Um, just came back from Cuba, gone to Haiti, Guatemala. Um, yeah, I like doing that. I like helping people out whenever I can. So, yeah, this is all very. I gotta say, so we've known each other since I was like 13. We're yes. both 13. This yes. is like a 20 years now. Yes, 20 we've been years. friends. Yes, and um, I mean, like in high school, like we were like friends, not super tight. But I didn't know that you had a thing for music. And then later, as we got older, I'm like. What's Mario doing? And then I was like, what's happening here? This is, wait, what's going on? <laughs> and then, so, tell me a little bit about the music I, journey. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, I mean, you're kind of a big deal. No. Yes, you are. You're no, a big deal. I think I'm a big deal to you no, because maybe. we're friends maybe. and you love music like I love music. No, but class of 2003 was Empingation. Yeah. We got Empingation. We got Super Bowl yeah, Super champions. We got World, World Series, Series champs. Yeah, we got yeah. Tremendo Chefs. Chefs. We have musicians. musicians. Tremendo Chefs. <laughs> tremendo Chef. <laughs> no, no, plural. He's more the he's Tremendo Chefs. Oh, Chefs. There's other ones. Mikey. Yeah. Leon. Yeah, there's other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And Mikey Alvarez. And Mikey Alvarez. Two Chefs. Man, see? There's a couple. Tremendo chefs? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, tell me when uh, there had to be a point that you decided like the music thing was going to be like a thing and you were going to like push it. Of hard. course. Um, well, I mean, growing up, my dad was really into music. He played a lot of instruments. He plays guitar. He plays the accordion, which we get on him about. Yeah. That's you get, amazing. You gave me the look, the accordion. I know. Wow. He's really good do you know how to play too. the accordion? I do not. That's I a shame. I should probably learn. That's a shame. I should probably learn. That's like a niche like a niche market you could really capitalize on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, he plays a lot of instruments. He plays, he plays a piano. Um, so when I was young, I played piano. Um, I used to do recitals. I played classical piano. That's what I did growing up. And then I got pretty much into middle school. And in middle school, you started focusing on girls and sports. I was heavy into, into basketball at that time. So ah, I, I remember. Yes, yes, I played. Yeah, I played basketball at Columbus for a few years there. Uh, with Mr. Stiano. Shout out to Stiano. Shout out to Butch. Guy. Yeah, whatever. Good guy, good guy. Good guy. He is. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I wouldn't want him as my basketball coach, but he's a good guy outside of basketball. Right? Shade City. Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm just speaking truth. I'm speaking truth. All right, so I stopped, I stopped playing piano, um, focused on basketball and all that stuff you do when you're in middle school and high school. Um, but I always had a love for music, and I always had a love for lyrics. I was always pretty good at, at remembering songs. Um, hip-hop, um, 
a lot of it was hip hop, but I had a I had a thing for the lyrics of the song and I was good at remembering. But I never really wrote music. I never really was into the whole band scene in Miami at that time or anything like that. Um, so then graduated from Columbus, 03 with you, Mike, and then went to FIU, got my finance degree. And when I got up FIU, I reconnected with a friend of mine, Tish, Christian Martinez, who also went to Columbus, class of 02. And we connected. He was going to school for audio engineering. And we were actually in the Grove one night. Had a few cocktails, had some drinks on the way when, home. When you say cocktails in the Grove, what are, are we talking like moose juice? What kind of cocktail? At that time, yeah, it was probably that, moose juices, good, yep. a couple game of beer pong I just get at Tavern. Time, yeah, time yeah, yeah. It's just moose juice in era. The world. Yeah. All right, go on. Hangover Central the next day, but moose juice era. Yeah. Got it. So I end up taking Tish back home that night, and we're in the Ooh. car. Yeah, dropping him off at home. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the hell that woo was for, but whatever. I went to drop him off at home, and on the way home, we start freestyling in the car. He was he had freestyle when he was younger. He was like into I wasn't really into the whole freestyle scene. I'm pretty quiet, you could say. I really am. I really am. I, I wasn't out going like that to freestyle in front of a group of people. Okay, all right. He was. Fair enough. Um, so in the car... We start freestyling, and I kind of start messing around with it, too. And he's like, hey, you know what? You're pretty good. Um, why don't we start? I'm, I'm making beats for school. I'm into all that. Why don't we just start recording here? I have the, all the recording material at my house. Let's start recording and whatever. Not thinking anything of it. All right, cool. So we start recording, start doing the whole thing, and then we start showing songs to our friends, you know, recording songs. He mixes them. We show them to our friends. They're like, yo, this is not half bad like all right cool start recording more and more and then we end up recording a mixtape our first mixtape which had a bunch of barbaridades on it uh I loved it. Enferma. I yeah loved a bunch it. of a bunch of songs that my mom still loves to this day <laughs> um and then tish was like look um i like making music i like the whole you know me and you we can do this wherever we want we can we're recording out of his closet at the time in his in his room he's like why don't we start a why don't we start a band and at the time i'm like ah, oh, i don't really know much about band i don't really know much about how that whole scene works he's like i know a couple people let's let's see I'll, I'll reach out to a couple people so our first show our first live show was at bayside hut in key biscayne and we got um our friend nick Lebes, who greg his brother graduated with us yeah um he was in a band he was in a few bands in miami day music died which was a pretty big like rock band here in Miami. And we're like, Nick, why don't you play with us this show? Um, and we're going to play with you and with uh, Ethics, Ricky Doggerty. Ricky another, D. Uh, Ricky D. Yeah. Another. He graduated in our yep. year as well. 2003. Yeah. So that was our first show. It was a drummer, a DJ, and, and me and Tish. And after that first show, uh, I knew it was like that, the feeling. I, I, I still remember it because it was like, a lot of people, I would say maybe like 200 people oh. of our homies, you know what I mean? It was, it, was a, it was a big deal, you know? It was our first show. People knew we were into the music already, so they're like, all right, let's go out, support. And I just remember stepping on stage. I'd been on stage before, but it was different. I was on stage playing piano and playing fucking Beethoven. It's, it's completely different than singing Fidel Por Favor in front of your friends and family, you know? <laughs> Vete pa' carajo, muérete ya, por favor, le mundo. 
Ever since that, that day I got on stage and, and we performed like four songs and it was probably, that's when I knew like this was something I wanted to pursue, you know? If there was one thing from that whole moment that you could, you would say you relive over and over again, what would it be? Walking on stage the first time and looking out and just seeing people and like seeing their, seeing people's faces like genuinely happy for what we were doing. Like, you know, it's like at the time we were singing again bullshit songs about you know it was, it was just writing and having fun we were, we were having more fun at the time it wasn't really like a a serious passion passion like it is now or has how it's become so it's just like seeing people like i'm sure everybody everybody had been drinking at the time but everybody's like laughing and like seeing their eyes light up just like looking up on stage seeing us i don't know it was weird and then like they knew some of, they knew the songs that we were performing because there wasn't that many songs and just like seeing people sing the songs and have a good time it was just like next level and ever yeah. since that day, I was like, all right, this is, this, I want to do this in life, you know? So, how long ago was that? This was 2010, Ooh. 2009. Wow, so it's been a decade. Yeah, it's been a decade. So talk about that decade. That decade, well, we started as a dream team. Um, that was a name that we came up with messing around. We weren't really sure, we, weren't, we didn't know where this was going to go. We were like, oh, let's just, right, we'll do dream team fucking around, you know? And it ended up sticking, and we ended up, we, end, we kept recording music, kept recording music. So we did that. We built the band. Um, at first, it was Nick was our drummer. Um, we had Joey Espinosa, who is a Belen grad. I think he taught at Belen, too. Um, Jesp, he was our bassist. And we had Jorge, uh, who was from Peru. He was our guitarist. That's how we first started. So we were with them for, like, maybe, like, two years. Recorded an album, Poetry in Motion, which is our first album we have on iTunes and Spotify and all that. Um, and then, as in any band, you go through changes. You know, you've, you mess with some people. You, mess, you don't mess with some, you know. So we ended up switching. We ended up getting new guitarists and uh, bass player who are still in the band right now. Eddie, Eddie Davis is our bass player. Omar Williams is our guitar player. And we added uh, Bert as well, who is our sax and keys player. And that, that new band turned into the Problem Kids um, at first, it's a great name. That's a great name. It's a great yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. At first, it was Dream Team and the Problem Kids because the Problem Kids was the band. They were called the Problem Kids. And then once we rearranged the band and all that, we just made it one new thing. Because, yeah, Dream Team, again, was like a joke. We were like, oh, Dream Team. Whatever. And you know Dream Team is when you refer to Dream Team, it's the USA Basketball 92. You know what I mean? That's what you refer to. Um, but, yeah, and then Problem Kids started, and then we've been rocking with Problem Kids ever since with the same band, same guys. Recorded another album, Caribbean Slang. Um, recorded videos. Video. Performed all over the city. We used to perform at the stage, which is right next to Cypress Room. Yeah. Where you, yeah. Yeah. Which isn't open anymore. Yeah, sadly. It yeah. was a good venue. It was a good venue. Indoor, outdoor. A lot of the venues that we used to perform at aren't open anymore. Right. Grand Central. Grand Central, the stage. Exactly. Which were those like indoor, outdoor, like warehouse kind of exactly. style. Like the stage wasn't warehouse-ish because no. it wasn't that big. Exactly. But it was still a good venue. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Grand Central was huge. Grand Central was huge. Yeah, we performed. Grand Central performed with, like, 3-6 Mafia, Bone. We performed with a... Uh, I think my most memorable uh, experience at Grand Central was when we went to go watch Cypress Hill. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> what an In experience. The cloud of smoke. Yeah, it was just, like, it was crazy. Yeah, it it was, was wild. It was me 
and Geofesser, the Pasolito Papi, which everyone here is us talking about him. That's his real name. Um, yeah, that was a memorable time at the Grand mm-hmm. Central. They had good acts there. I'm always like very, I like I push all of my friends and. But Mario's been one of those guys that it's like, you're such a good person and you care so much. And the shit that you guys do is like really incredible. Yeah. So like, I appreciate it. You know, two years ago when I did that thing with Milam's, they wanted to use like some shitty stock music. Remember? Oh, yeah. That's right. The, the it was like commercial a, com- thing. a commercial for Milam's. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 let's use this. And they're like, no, we can't. I'm like, oh, we can. We can. We can. So then uh, I called you and you gave us the rights to use it or whatever. Of course. And it was like super dope. Like that to me is... And it was just like a small two-minute clip for Milam's. Yeah. But that's like what, to me, the Miami community represents. Of course. Right? Like two Miami people doing something that they both care about. Yeah. And really looking out for each other. because It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about, oh, look, yeah, you got to pay me. This. No, it's about, look, you, you're, you're pushing your product and you want to include us in it. And I felt grateful for you to even think about using the song. You know what I mean? So when you asked me, I was like, come on, man. And it, it was crazy. I think it was like three weeks ago. I tagged you in a post that I was sitting at the timeout market and I was doing work on my computer and I stopped and I'm like, is that Mario? And it was a problem kid song. So I recorded it and I sent you, yeah, the, yeah, I you, sent you the clip, right? Yeah. But it's stuff like that to me that's like, those are really special moments. For life. sure. You know, when you see people you care about achieve their goals and it's still like, I say it all the time, it's like small victories in life. I really make a difference. And in that kind of like the music world, which I don't know much about, I do love music, but, you know, the whole business end of the music world is very, very, very rough from very, my understanding. Very, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I deal with a lot of the ins and outs of booking and paying and this and that. And bro, nobody wants to pay you for a show. They want to yeah, come, come play for $200 and this and that. It's like, look. We're bringing you people. It's, we have we had a little we have a little following in Miami. It's not like we play and it's like twenty people there. No, like people like coming to the shows. They're fun shows. It's like everybody gets together. People like the music. You know what I mean? It's like it's not just like it's not hip hop. It's it's a fusion of everything. We have songs in Latin, yeah, and completely in Spanish. You know, we have songs very slow down, very jazzy, and we have some songs in rock. You know, it's like very eclectic, and we, have, we do a, a, lot, a little bit for everybody, you know? Right. So people have fun when they come to the shows, and it's just like a family atmosphere, you know? It's like all your friends from this and that, and it's just people, people enjoy it, man. I don't know. It's crazy. People come up to me after the shows like, wow, why are you guys, why haven't you guys performed in Coachella? And I'm like, it's not that easy, man. Yeah. It's not that easy. And yeah, it's no. tough, man. It's tough. So even to write one song, it's like, I spent hours and hours and days, and I'm at, I'm at work in the insurance I- industry, and I'm thinking about music, and hey, it's nonstop. It's like consumes me. It really does. I'm, I'm sure it cons- uh, the cooking, and you're at home and watching TV, and you're like, ah, I wish I could have made this a little better. Like, how can I improve on this? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's the creative aspect, and that's why, exactly. like, being a creative, no matter what field you're in, it really does consume your mind. Oh my but God. it's the most gratifying. It is, and I don't know how it is on the music side but I know for me like I could spend months thinking about something and then finally putting on a plate and being like this is garbage yeah I'm just gonna throw this motherfucker away 100% and I don't know if that works the same way in music what I find very interesting about the music industry is how like the real songwriters are 
overlooked, right? And how you just said, you know, you spend hours and days and months and weeks putting together a song. You know, there's people that don't put together their own music, you know, and they end up being famous because they have the they have the look, the, the look. or the personality uh -huh. or the whatever it may be. But someone else or three other people wrote their song for them. Oh, for sure. It, it's so impressive to me, the musician that writes their own music. Yeah. You know, writes their own music and, and performs it. And, performs it. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, I'm like... Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And, like, you ever seen the documentaries about him? Yes. And how, like, overtly over the top he was about perfection and yeah, about yeah. how he would write, you know, 200 songs, but then, like, he would only keep 20. And then maybe he would, you know. Uh, and out of those 20, he would keep, you know, he'd keep eight. dwindling down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, I find it so incredible, like, that the craft portion of life, it. It really shifts to whatever it is that you like to do creatively, like music or food yeah. or writing for Nick over here yeah. or whatever it may be. So I don't know. Music is very personal for me, too. And we've talked about this. Yeah. Like I'm I cannot operate on a daily basis without some kind of music in the background. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so for me, it's super personal and. And people ask me like, "How come you're not? How come you don't write these? Uh, for example, the, the the shit that's popular now, the the Migos, and you know these like, it's there's no substance. It's just a beat, and they have like a good melody, but they're not really saying anything. And it's like, I try. I'll sit there and I'll be like, all right, let me try to write a a song for the radio. You know what I mean? And it just doesn't like, it doesn't feel authentic to me, and I end up not doing it. You know what I mean? I end up writing something. I don't know. I'll get on the piano and write some sad story or whatever it is you know what i mean it doesn't have to be sad but i write something that that really affected me or that i'm thinking about or that's that i feel in my heart that i want to write not like i want to be in the club with the bitches no like yo that shit doesn't i'm i'm 34 i've lived in miami all my life the club scene yeah it's cool it was cool 10 years ago i'm over that shit already you know what i mean like i'm writing about real things that happen in my life and it's just like that creative aspect of it it's tough man it's tough to like Right, especially writing out something that you're feeling, but you also have to write it in order to reach out to your audience. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to perform it in front of people and they're going to be listening to these lyrics. So I have to, because at the end of the day, people are going through the same shit I'm going through. You know what I mean? Even though I, I could say, oh, no, nobody can, can feel what I'm feeling. But they are feeling it. Everybody goes through. Like, I've had people, songs that I've written even before when we first started on the first album. I remember... Um, Roy Arias, you remember Roy? His, his younger brother reached out to me because his, his, uh, I think his father had passed uh, around the time we had put out the album. And there was a song in particular, uh, Foundation, that he loved. And, and I, I don't know why I remember this specifically to the day, but like he wrote me a thing on Facebook and he was like, look, I heard this song and it like, yo, it like touched me and like I really, really felt it, you know? And I'm like, then you, you, you read things like that, you're like, all right, I'm doing, I'm on the right path. I'm, I'm writing about myself, but it's it's touching somebody else that's going through something else in their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the aspect that I love, love about it. Apart from the performance and, and all that. You know what I mean? Because after I perform, it's like, no, nah, I know. I Spit fucking love this shit. the V's. Let it flow like it's telekinesis. Follow me. Follow me. Catch me, I'm falling, but I don't know where to go. Help me, I'm drowning. Which way would the water flow? Losing my breath while everything moving slow. Every moment that we waste is forever written in stone. Gunshots rang out, they were trying to just hang out. Now 49 angels got their hands out. Protect me, please. The concrete field cold on my knees. Why do I only pray when I see a family? It's in interesting how music is interpreted for everyone differently. You know, but the meaning that you could have for it really does touch people at different points in their life. Of course. And 
that's something that's uh, I've always gravitated towards certain types of music because of that. Like I love, you know, Muddy Waters and Sonny Boy Williamson, and I love Tab Benoit, which is all like very not not normal from a Cuban kid from Miami, yeah. but. For me, it felt very similar to like the Benny Mores of the world, and you know, Buena Vista Social Club, just in a different part of the world. Does that make sense? Of course. Even though like Cuba, the Cuba and the Bayou connection between New Orleans, yeah. or that Chicago blues, all kind of has some kind of connection, mm-hmm. you know. But it it's interesting how I can recall certain parts of my life from certain songs I listen to. Hundred percent. You know, like I. <laughs> It's, it's incredible, yeah. right? Like we go back to times when we were in high school, and there's certain songs that just clicked to moments in my yeah. life that I'm like, wow, yeah. I remember what I was doing on that day, yeah. you know. And it's interesting, and I always relate everything to food, obviously, because that's what I do. But how there's certain flavor profiles and like dishes that connect me to something that like a day with my grandfather, a day with my grandmother, and it's. I think you could say that about any kind of um, creative profession, you know. I agree. Music, I always because the three of us writing yeah, yeah. music and, and food, it all touches you in, in a different way, and and that's why I I'll never forget like when I started seeing you because you know I wasn't in Miami. Uh, yeah, you went to, you went you played football in where Virginia? in Virginia Virginia yeah, and I started seeing you do some music and things like that, and I was like, man, this is crazy! Like this is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I never thought it was gonna happen, but yeah, but. It's persistence, yeah. and it's something that you enjoy. And for me, the biggest part about it is that uh, it didn't have a connection with money, right? Food, for a long time in my life, you know, I mean, I didn't make a, a lot of money at all. And and it was like a hard struggle. Yeah. And it, it's always been like a struggle to stay within those parameters of like doing really good food, working for really good people in a really good place, all of that usually equals making really shitty money. Yeah, for sure. So to be able to stick with something that you love and just know that, yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day it'll hit somewhere. Maybe one day it'll hit. Maybe oh, you one don't, day. we don't make money in the music industry either. Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day it'll hit. Maybe one day someone will listen to it. And then it's like, yeah, this is what is interesting now, like what people dig now, but it's not what makes me happy. No way. And being okay with that. I think speaks volumes about who you are as a well, person. I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not making music for the time. I'm making. T- I want to make timeless music that I can listen to when I'm older. I can show my kids. Like, look, you hear this right now. I I could play that song that, that, that I mentioned earlier. I can play it in 30 years, and it's gonna mean something to somebody at that time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's wh- that's the type of music I like to make, and that's what I like to write about. Mm-hmm. And is it commercial music? Su- is it gonna equal success? I don't know. I don't really care. I'm, at the end of the day, I'm making music for myself. If it hits, it hits. If not, I had a great time doing it, and I got stuff off my chest that maybe I wouldn't have been able to get, and it would have hindered me in some other way if I wasn't doing music. That's an interesting point. Uh, something that I, I talk about a lot is like the vulnerability aspect of being a creative. Do you find it similar more so or not at all in the music world? Oh, 100%. At least, yeah. I, at least the music that I like writing, it's very vulnerable because I'm speaking real things that have happened to me in my life. You know what I mean? It, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a struggle with a friend, friendship, people passing away, whatever it is, it's something that I've gone through in my life. So it's definitely vulnerable. Like, 
I'm I'm speaking to people that probably I've never even some of them I've never even met and telling them kind of my life story. You know, I like most people like to keep some stuff private in music. I feel like the the best music I write is a music that speaks to what I've gone through and what and how I feel right now at the moment, you know? Well, I mean Yes. I Yeah, I don't know how that translates into food and maybe it does into no, making, but it, it, into making certain dish. No, it it does because the the creative aspect for me always like lends to my childhood and to Miami as a city, right? So like the parts of Miami that make me feel nostalgic or something that just like a dish or a flavor combination or something that makes me think of my grandparents or a time in my life or because is the banana that you put on your plates at Chugs? Yeah, is something you you had at your grandmother's? Grew up with it always, always. All right, that's a Cuban thing because oh, so- I love. My food with banana. But, every, and every, you know what's interesting is that there's, there's Cubans that are just like, bro, what is this? Why are you putting bananas on my really? rice? Yeah. But I, I never grew up with that. See? No? See what I mean? And nobody I knew, I had never even been to somebody's house that did that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. In, in my house, it's just how it was. You get yeah. rice and then there's a banana on the table. P. Rodriguez, P. Of course. Graduated, he still to this day eats uh, everything with a banana. <laughs> Whatever it is, he's like, oh, I need a banana, I need a banana. And I swear, every time I go to his house, he's eating, he grabs a banana, whacks it, and puts it with whatever he's eating. It, it was interesting. There was a um, chef, their, their name now, I forget. But she ate at Chug's a couple months ago, and she sent me a message, and she was like, everything was amazing, thank you so much. And the banana, I totally get it. Thank you for that. Because nobody does that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, whether you don't get it or you get it or whatever, like to me, there, there's a lot of meaning yeah, in that. There's, I, there's, I knew it because when I saw it, I'm like, wow, he put a banana on the plate. I was like, that's something for sure that happened in his household because it would happen in mine. Yeah. yeah. And it was um, even like my employees were like, why are we putting a banana on the rice? Don't worry about it. Yeah. Just, just go, with go, with it. Just go with Just go with the flow. Just go with the questions. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I think it, it translates differently emotionally. Like, uh, I think music, since there are words involved and tones involved, I think it could translate a little bit easier if people were open to opening their ears and actually listening. Listening, you know, for sure. Food, it's like, does it taste good? Yeah. You know, I'm hungry. It's just going to satisfy my appetite Mm -hmm. right now. When you go to the people that really think about food and understand, you know, like that there's a chef behind the wheel driving it for some kind of reason. Yeah then they'll understand that there might be more thought behind it. Got you, got you. Not all food could be very, like, um, monochromatic and be thought-provoking. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you know, there's a lot of chefs now that use, like, same tone in several levels of food visually because it's striking. Um, And on the other side, it's very thought-provoking. So when you have that kind of dining experience, it's like, wow, like, this is intense and I'm trying to understand. Yeah. Not all food has to be that way to be thought-provoking. Gotcha. For me, rabo encendido with white rice, black beans, and, and a banana is very thought-provoking, more on the emotional side than, like, trying to get you to understand how to do this. Yeah. It makes sense? Yeah. No, so, but the simplicity in that makes it that much of an amazing dish. I mean, for me, at least, I guess because we're, we're Cuban, I'm Cuban. So yeah. when I see the simplicity of, like, again, the banana, just, like, having that on there was just like, damn, that's thoughtful because you don't go you go to a cuban restaurant any other cuban restaurant in miami nobody gives you a banana with what you're eating right they give you platano maduros but it's different but it's usually frozen it's and usually out of a fr- bag exactly yeah. exactly no, no, no we don't play the, those games no 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 
Oh, I'm sorry. I, just but, can't. I can't support the yeah, frozen yeah. maduro. Thing. And the frozen is, uh, croquetas, right? You were, you were talking about that on one of your earlier podcasts. No, just like the croquetas out of a box, you know? Like out of a people, box, yeah. I, and people always have this perception like, oh, you know, I want to pay $1.25 for a croqueta. I'm like, well, the croqueta was probably made like a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. It was frozen. stuffed in a box and frozen. Like, yeah. So you want to pay $1.25 for that? That's yeah, on cool. you. Yeah, yeah. I can't help you there. Yeah, I agree. Our stuff is more, we put more effort. We think about just like the pastelito. You know, and that was a big topic in our last podcast mm-hmm. was, you know, the um, how we're how we are just shifting the way people try to view a pastelito. Like we're using seasonal ingredients, we're using local ingredients. Like no, usually even even us growing up, like we didn't care about that. No, we just wanted like yeah. guayaba. I wanted my yeah my pastelito right. We wanted, and queso and that's right. good to go. And, and you we, had your bakery that you went to. Yeah, yeah. Fuerte. <laughs> I still I still go there and I still go to Versailles. I still go. I'm a party all. cake bakery guy. Wow, I don't even know where that is. Oh, no, party cake is, is big time. Where Miller, is that? M- well, the one I go to is on uh, Miller and 102nd Ave. Oh, well, that's, that's my hood. That's, that's my hood. My, you know, that's my hood. That's my hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm over there towards Kendall Life. Yeah, it's it's a much different part of the world. By the way, so because we're on Instagram Live here. Are we? Oh, we are. Hi. So Fuji Film Girl. Hey, what's up? What's up, fam? Says uh, shout out to my papi and Kendall. I assume Damn, that's you. Damn, I love that. Yeah, of course. Because I'm also in Kendall, but I'm nobody's papi. No, you're nobody's so. papi. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Soon uh, enough. And uh, and I think that the banana talk was resonating with Emily, who hit us with like nine banana emojis. Oh, there it so, is. Yeah. yeah. She <laughs> likes banana. that too. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, banana's legit. Trust me. When I saw it, I'm like, Damn. So let me ask you, in all the music that you've done, two questions. Three artists that really... They maybe motivate you, inspire you, or, you know, their style is something that you try to vibe with. Vibe with. My number one, people ask, they all have the number one artist. If you could take one album with you, if you could take one album with you to a deserted island, you can only have one album. Growing up, I listened to a lot of hip-hop. Um, I had older cousins, and they were into hip-hop, so I, you kind of just, like, yeah, so go with what they're listening to. You know I what I mean? Know, I have an older sister, so that's, like, where my music started. Exactly. That's how pretty much how my music started, apart from my dad and my grandfather growing up. Um, but Tupac is my favorite artist of all time. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, if I would take one album, it would be All Eyes on Me, his double disc. But, I don't know, Tupac was like, he rapped about, yeah, he, rapped, he did rap about guns and all this stuff, but he had a soft side to him where he rapped about what was going on in the society that he lived. Yeah. He, he was rapping about what he saw, he was rapping about, I mean, at that time in, in the 90s when he was rapping, um, there was, I mean, there's a lot of race, racial wars and stuff going on now, but he was rapping about what he was seeing. And as a young kid, I'm, you're really not aware of what he's rapping about. You like how it sounds and you like the beat and this and that. As I got older, listening to him more, I feel like the way I write and what I rap about is kind of a little bit on his on his mental level you know what i mean like he was i would like to rap about society i like to rap about cuba about what's going on in cuba even though i don't live there but i feel like from my grandfather growing up telling me stories my parents growing up telling me stories that that resonated with me so that's what i wanted to write about so that's like my main artist like that that if i would have to pick one i would listen to the cds over and over and over and over and over again Mm. Um, anybody else? I mean, Buena Vista was my grandfather. So my grandfather, me and him were super tight growing up. He'd pick me up every Saturday morning. We'd go to breakfast, and then we'd go. I mean, it started when we were younger. We'd go to Toys R Us. 
pick out one toy, you know. He let us run around there with me and my cousin. He let us run around for an hour and pick your one toy that you want to get. Not over $15. Then we have to negotiate. Oh, this one's 20 25 Can we do this one? And be like, all right. He let. You know, as we got older, we started going Sports Authority. And then Specs. Specs was oh, like a specs. huge. Specs. Oh, next to Swenson's. Next to Swenson's there was one. We used yeah. to go. There was one. And Ken, again, Kendall. Kendall, different one. Kendall, Kendall Ken, 117. Kendall 9. Yeah, there was one There was one on 117 right there where the Dairy Queen is now. Um, so we would go in there. We were young, you know what I mean? We were teenagers. My mom didn't like bad words and stuff on, in the music. So what we have to do, me and my cousin, we'd have to, whatever CD we wanted to buy, we'd get the price. My grandfather didn't really know about parental advisory at that time. You know, he's an old Cuban guy. And you put it over the parental advisory? Put it over the parental advisory. Oh, yeah, we want to get this one, yeah. Smooth move. But then to play that in front of my mom in the car, I'd have to know the lyrics. So I think that, remembering lyrics and all that, I'd have to memorize the lyrics so that when a bad word would come on, I'd do some crazy sound or something like, or just scream out loud like, ah! (laughs) <laughs> when a bad work so she wouldn't hear it you know what I mean I think she caught on after a while yeah I mean yeah yeah obviously. Can, we, can we get that sound effect one more time ah there it is that, that was one of them I don't remember the other one can you record that we'll use that in future episodes yeah, yeah, yeah for you sure can use that. you can use that I'm gonna save that I'm gonna save that clip and anytime you're cursing it's gonna be the half the podcast is gonna be half the ah! podcast is just gonna be yeah ah, like that screaming out yeah. loud <laughs> yeah so that right there I mean just that's where my 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 love of music starting you know like buying the CD opening it up at home at night putting it in my CD player in my headphones because I couldn't play it out loud because then my parents would realize I, w- I was playing music with bad words and just like, bro, over and over again, albums, Outkast. I remember Outkast, AT Aliens had like a naked oh, girl on the man. cover. What a good album. Oh. Yeah. That's like that's one, one of, of my most legendary albums, albums ever. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite albums. Uh, Enter the 36 Chambers. I remember listening oh. to that. If you, even if you listen to it now, you're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? It's just like, you know, they grew up in New York. I had no idea what they were saying, but like the sounds and like the grittiness and like all the voices combined together. I, I think those three albums probably are my top three albums I listened to the most, you know, growing up, even mm-hmm. as, a, as a young kid. And then obviously you got older and then you start listening to this, those lyrics again. And you're like, damn, this is they were talking about. Damn, they were talking about smoking weed. I didn't even know what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah, it, it, it goes a whole... Oh yeah, I remember my direction. my uncle sitting sitting me and my cousin down one time, and he's like, he played a song because we had like we had a single of nothing but a G thing, and he sits us down and he's like, oh, we're gonna go through this song. He's like, and he says something about a contraceptive. He's uh-huh. like, do you know what this is? And we're like, and my cousin like, no, yeah. we don't know what the fuck. That is. He's like, he starts telling us, all right, this is a condom, this and that, blah blah blah. We're like, all right, I mean, bro, we just like the music. We're not in, you know, this is not like so serious as it, you know. We weren't so serious about the music and the words. All right, cool. There's bad words, but not like we were out there gangbanging or anything like that. So that's, I think that right there is like me just getting into the music. And that's when it it first started my love for lyrics, remembering lyrics. And I think that translated later on to me writing music, you know? Me, uh, because you mentioned earlier some things that are maybe like some unexpected, not quite the typical Miami Cuban kid. Were there artists or albums or songs for you that you remember like, really kind of connecting to whether they influenced you down the road or not but were there things like that for you that oh yeah i also got into this other thing that maybe people wouldn't see me on stage and think that i was really into oh yeah my dad used to play i remember growing up the carpenters during christmas Ah. it was like a super like but every christmas i remember him playing he had he had the uh the record player and he would play like the carpenters and i remember that being like a vivid memory in my life as a young kid you know like christmas time all right, we're doing the tree or whatever we're doing. And it was like the Carpenters, you know, playing. My dad was a huge Eagles guy. Ooh. 
amazing. I've seen them once. I saw them once live. Um, he was huge into the Eagles. Sade. He used to play a oh, bunch of Sade man. growing up. I, I know, cannot I know. tell you. You just, did you have an orgasm? You just had an orgasm. Much. Oh, Sade I like Sade. Sade. We used to have at the Cypress Room Sade Saturdays. Oh. So it would be like prepping all day with Sade in the background. Oh, God. It was Those it meals was must have been. Glorious. Yeah. It was glorious. Amazing. It's like the most high octane stressful situation and then you have like Sade in the background oh, it was great best and you know what i love about Sade is that she that will never be duplicated Mm-mm. what she did what she does will never be duplicated yeah, again yeah, the like voice a- the way that she sings all of her music, like the tone she has, never again. She's like undercover. You don't really know what she's doing. I don't even know where she works. She, she just she dropped do? like a new song. Yeah, you don't Only because even... Oprah asked her to. Yeah, like, you don't even know come what she on. does. I mean, when Oprah's got to bring you out of retirement, you got to be a big deal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, like, you're a big deal. If Oprah's bringing you out of retirement yeah, 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 for one song. Come on. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's always me and I go back to Geo Fesser because he's like a big music head too. He's got a lot of uh, vinyls and, you know. But we always say, if like, we were ever going to drop some serious coin on one concert ticket, it would be Sade. Sade. She came. She came I know, like with John few, Legend. A few years ago, and I, I had bought a ticket. I had a ticket we were going, and I had to go out of town, and I had to sell my ticket, no, and she hasn't you, come back. Sorry. You know, she hasn't come back. I don't pissed. think she's ever going to do it again. No, I don't think so either. I don't. I, it's interesting, because my, my dad, not a big music guy. I love my dad. Just not, he's a little square, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but he... Got me into like the Temptations, and like Al Green and Marvin Gaye, and you you would talk to my dad and be like, "This guy doesn't listen to this music," and it was very interesting. At a young age, he would play this stuff, and I'm like, "That's oh, pretty cool." Yeah, yeah. I you still know? listen to that. Yeah, me all the time. Me too. All I mean, the time. The the music on my daily like playlist is very. It's like Otis Redding, and mm-hmm. then it's like Bruce Springsteen, and then it's like. I don't know. Depends on Clapton. what Clapton. That was a huge Clapton guy. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen was a big one for me. And I didn't learn about Springsteen until like six years ago. The Boss, right? Is that what they yeah, call him? Yeah, The Boss. Yeah. But when you listen to like that, his first four albums, it's it's like storytelling. It's yeah. not just music. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the song, were... if you looked at the, the uh, live box set from 75 to 85, and you listened to when he did No Surrender on that, it's... You you could listen to it ten times on repeat. I'm gonna listen to it on the way home. It makes you really listen to it. Right? Makes you feel like you've never felt before when it comes to a rock and roll song. Right. It's a different type of rock. It's yeah. like Americana. Like this is like when it's just it's different. Man. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I big no, shout the out. The way to, you're talking about it, how it hits you. Like you, that's that's big, music right there. Big shout out to Chris Hughesby, one of our past guests. Because he's the one who got me into Springsteen. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was it was one of, it was a shot a Saturday, and he was like, "Let's change up the pace," and I'm like, "No." Springsteen Saturdays. Springsteen Saturdays. I fought that for a while. Yeah. But it was fine. It was good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my grandfather used to play a lot of old school Cuban in like the car. He had the tape player, and he would like he had a thing of tapes, and he would, I don't even know who he was playing. But I mean, even that, I think, just like. In my mind, hearing those songs and the old Cuban and the, you know, like the bolero and the, like the real slow, like apretadito dancing yeah. music, it was just like nice. he would he would love that. He would play it all the time. Yeah, know? I mean, Benny More, Como exactly. Fue, like that's, exactly. I remember, I used to listen to that when I was a kid because my, my grandfather, and they still do, like, you know, they're not listening to their records anymore. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'm going to throw this stack away. I'm like, no, 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 you're not throwing this away. <laughs> I said, this is going to be mine. This is mine. Yeah, yeah. 
And I was just like looking through them the other day, and I found like a couple of Ray Barretto's, and I'm like, I love Ray Barretto. Now. Yeah. But I didn't discover Ray Barretto till really so discover him till like. So you were older. Like maybe four years ago. Yeah. And now I was like, man, I've had these vinyls the whole time. Like not me, but him. So yeah. I have them. So it's like I'm like I'm just gonna take these. The yeah. rest can stay here. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna take these home, you know. And and it's just interesting how as you get older, you appreciate music differently. Of course. Because. Because you go through things as well, you know, and like those songs, maybe they won't hit you as, you know, the song about certain thing that that guy was going, whoever was going through, it doesn't hit you as a kid, you know, you're like, ah, I want to have fun, I want to go out with my friends and fuck around. Then you're older and, you know, you're going through your daily life, trying to open restaurants, trying to write a song, trying to do this, trying to run a business, and it's just like, all right, these guys are going through some shit, you're going through it too, and it just connects to you more, I think. So what's, what's gonna, what's next? Wait, before we talk about what's next, talk to about this mission that you just went on. To Cuba? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I went with my fam- with my parents. Um, about well, about six years ago, we went. My, my whole family, my parents, uh, Mario and Giselle Obregon, and my brother and sister. Shout out, Shout out. Anna and Javi Obregon, the homies. <laughs> we went uh, six years ago to Santiago, um, Cuba. Um, we went through. My parents are involved in the church, so we did a mission through their church, and we went over there and we did pretty much a summer camp for the kids of Santiago. Um, primarily a small town in Santiago called San Juan. So figure Santiago is Miami, San Juan is Hialeah. Where are you from again? Where did you say you were? Me? Little Havana. Little Havana, sorry. Yeah, man. Little Havana, my bad, my bad. Fuck that one up. All right. On. San Juan is like the little, a little Havana of Santiago. Ah. A very, very poor. Obviously, Cuba, is, Cuba hasn't changed in 50 years. Um, so we went six years ago. We did a summer camp for kids. We did uh, some, a summer camp at first, maybe like two or three days for young kids, maybe like six to ten-year-olds, little terrors. And then they left, and then we did a, a camp for older kids, probably like teenagers up to 20-something. So we pretty much, I mean, the, let's go through a day. I mean, the, the days don't really change. It's pretty much you wake up, you have breakfast with your team, with the, the leaders like my parents and whoever was the time at the mission. Um, what was good the day before, what can we get better on, and what's planned for the day. Then you do like a little, let's say the kids do a Bible study. They break it into groups, do a Bible study, then they do some arts and crafts, a little break, they have lunch. Then we'll do like sports. That's what we were in charge of. Um, We did like, they have like a little gymnasium there. Um, We did a little basketball, a little volleyball. Now when we went, when we just went back, we just went two weeks ago, now the big sport there is soccer because I mean, baseball, you need a field. You need a bunch oh, of... You need court. a lot of stuff You need a lot of stuff baseball. to play with. Soccer. Basketball, you need, a, you need a hoop. There's not yeah. many hoops in Cuba. You're not, you know? Soccer, you can it's play. All you need is a ball. You play it anywhere. These kids were playing. I tried to play with them. They were playing barefoot. Everybody's pretty much barefoot over there. They don't, there's no shoes. and no, Nobody really has much over there. Playing barefoot in this, in this the street is so fucking hot. It's crazy. I don't even know. These kids were just playing hours and hours. I was playing for like five minutes. I had to go in the grass every two minutes to, to, to cool my feet because the ampollas and everything that I was going to get was ridiculous. Mm. You know what I mean? But soccer is the main sport. So they do soccer, and then at night we'll chill. We have dinner with the kids, and then we'll have like a final, like at night they'll do like a prayer service, and then you get to talk to the kids, which is probably my favorite part, just talking with the kids the whole time. You know what I mean? It's just like these kids... It's pretty, they do the same shit over and over. Every day is the same, you know what I mean? Compared to when we went six years ago, nothing's changed in Santiago. 
It's the same kids. They're just older, playing in the street. It's the same guy in front of his house. Doesn't work. He's just chilling there, eating, talking shit with everybody else from the neighborhood. It hasn't changed, you know what I mean? Which is, it's sad in a sense that you try to go over there, you're trying to help as much as you can, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you, you're trying to give them that one week of peace and happiness that they right. probably wouldn't get, you know what I mean? So that's pretty much what we do on a daily basis out there. Um, it's church-based, religion-based, but for me, as I'm not super religious at this moment in my life, it's more dealing with the kids and just talking to them about, hey, what's up with, you know, how's life, this and that, just communicating with them and them asking me questions about stuff over here, me asking them questions about stuff over there. Like, when we fir- when the first time we went, nobody had phones. Everything was very, you know what I mean, very stuck in the 50s, 60s, you know? Right. Now, when we came back this time, there's a little, I guess... With the whole Obama and everything that changed, I feel like all the kids had phones. They all have Androids. I guess that's what you use over there to communicate, whatever, Android. Nobody has iPhones or anything like that. Um, but there's, there's more phones, more kids on their phones nowadays. You know how it is now. Everybody's on their phone the whole fucking time. Right. You know what I mean? But, I mean, just – it was cool, man. Just just seeing the kids that I had known grow older and, like, me walking through. Like, I changed from the first time I got there. Now I'm bald. I don't have hair. Before I had hair – I was a little heavier, and like now going back, like I would walk through the through the through the little town of San Juan through the streets, and I would like see people that I remember just by face, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah," and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah," you know, and I kind of give them that look, and then they'd be like, "Oh shit," and then they'd come up and talk and hug and look. I told them when I first went, I told them I was gonna come back the next year. Six years later, we hadn't gone back. You know what I mean? So for me to come back. This time, I don't know, it was, it, was, it was gratifying that I was able to, I guess, fulfill my promise, even though I promised I was going to come back the next year. But I was able to fulfill my promise of going back and, and, again, doing what I can with whatever resources I have here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so, yeah, that, that mission is it's next level, especially going to Cuba, where, where my mom my mom is from, Santiago. Her family born and raised there. So we got to see their house, and which is a whole t- like a little Airbnb now where you can rent. Chill Airbnb. Like that. They have Airbnbs. Yeah, I actually stayed in an Airbnb this time. I went for the first couple of days. Mm. We stayed in uh, Luis and Evis. Shout out to Luis and Evis. <laughs> if they're listening to the podcast, yeah, we're huge in Cuba. Li- yeah, we're huge in Cuba. They don't yeah, want any part in, of this. We stayed there. in a room in their house, um, and they served us breakfast every day. The f- bro, uh, Hugo de Guayaba. Oh, Oh, that sounds good. Fire. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm a, I like guayaba, patelitos and everything, but guayaba is not, I like a mango shake better than uh, whatever, but they had the best bowl de guayaba there. Yo, if you went from Miami, you wouldn't understand. Beautiful ladies, a dime a dozen, it's out of hand. And everybody's on there, I'm the man. The city's a big game, shady people with some perfect hands. But I'm indebted to my fans. The ones supporting the hustle while they bump into the jams. Don't think you understand the way I feel. So we'll just keep making this music and in time you'll understand it's real. The whip appeal in the streets is a plus. And if you got a little money, man. So what's next? In terms of what? Music or mission work or everything? Just everything. What, if you were to say on your mind on a daily basis is music and to go in what direction? I don't think I'll ever stop making music. Um... I mean, obviously, I would like to, I would love to make music my number one thing and and live off of music. I don't know if that's going to happen, but at the end of the day, that's not my ultimate goal. Like, I, that's, not, that's not why I started making music, and it's still not why I make music. I make music because I love it, and I really can't stop thinking about it. And it's just like, it really consumes me, regardless if I'm 
working in the insurance, if I'm on a mission trip. I mean, it just it consumes me. Uh, music is is my life. And I, I think growing up, just how I was raised and everything, it, it, there was no other way for me to not be in love with music, you know? my. So, I mean, you've been on this kind of, like, journey for 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest thing you've learned in the 10 years of developing as a creative, as a songwriter, as just like... As a band. I think yeah. the band aspect of it, people think, oh, band, you're, you're, everybody's your homies. I mean, they are my homies for life, for life. But it's a lot of, it's like having five girlfriends, <laughs> if you can imagine that. You know no, what I mean? Like yeah, I mean, five different, yeah, yeah, you can. I got it. Because you have like five or six at a time, right? Yeah. Or not anymore. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Before. I mean, I thought you were talking about my, my chefs. Oh. It's like five or... No, yeah. no, I was talking about your girlfriends, but that no, was, no, that's no. a different podcast. One man. That's a different one. podcast. Yeah, my just bad. one. Um, yeah, just being in a band, having to deal with different personalities, different opinions. I mean, we go in with one objective, but at the same time, you know what I mean? We have a... A lot of these guys are really, really good at what they do. Our musicians, I mean, I give it up to the band. Those guys are sick. I, I didn't know anything about the creation of music you know you listen to a song you're not paying attention to the specific of a bass or the guitar or this and that but like being in the band i think it just opened up my mind to how music is created and these guys have been like uh teachers to me you know what i mean because i don't know anything i don't I, I never took singing lessons i never took writing lessons you know what i mean it was just like kind of like i wrote because i liked it and we created the music because these guys are hell of a musicians and they created around what i was writing you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i think yeah i think the main these 10 years has been like de just dealing with people and overcoming those objectives and overcoming the different opinions and coming to a to one one final destination where like all right look this is a song this is how we're going to create it we're going to structure it this way you're going to play this that and then at the end you know being being good with what you've created and putting it out to people so that they you know you guys and everybody else can hear it yeah well for me for whatever it's worth, I'm super proud of you. I appreciate it. I mean, it's like uh, no, and, you, and you tell me, and and you can you can tell when somebody's being real with you. You know what I mean? And I don't think you've ever sugarcoated anything with me. But like, you've reached out to me, even like, yo, this shit is this shit is dope. And even like the live shows, where I know you love live music. Like, you've come up to me and been like, yo, you got you guys are fucking good. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like, I take it for granted because I'm like. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know how the show went. You know what I mean? I'm not, even when I perform, I'm not worried about what we're doing on stage because we prepare and you rehearse and you do the whole thing. You know what I mean? I'm more worried how what we're doing is going to translate to the person seeing it for them to have a good time. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's my worry on a show. I'm not, I'm not nervous for performing. I'm already over that shit. I prepare enough. I prepare in the shower. I prepare in the fucking car. I'm rehearsing lyrics over and over again. Lyrics that I've known for 20 years, I'm rehearsing over again. It's more about the experience, experience for you guys. You know what I mean? Watching us be like, damn, are they going to like this show? Are they going to like this song? Are they going to like this switch that we did here? Are they going to like this solo? You know, that's, that's for me the, what I love about the whole band experience and all that. Wow. Yeah. Man. It's just interesting to hear the to hear what people think on the other side. Because yeah. just as someone who consumes music, yeah. like I don't, I, I can tell you, the one thing I've always wanted to learn how to do is play the harmonica and I'm so bad at do it. Do it. I try. Do it. I was looking I, I was looking the other day to buy one because my dad had a couple, and, but they're like out of tune. I want to buy a good one and learn because, yeah. I mean. It's interesting to hear how it is on the other side. Yeah. You know, a like, lot of like, nights, a lot of lonely nights, a lot of nights alone writing music, a lot of nights where your friends are out. I think you guys were talking about that on, on, the, on the prior podcast. 
uh, oh, let's go out, let's go out and get fucked up and go to the club and do this and wake up at six and do it. It's like, nah, I'm going to stay home. I want to write music. I'm going to try to write a song. Yeah. It probably won't happen, but I'm going to try. I'm going to stay home this whole weekend. Uh, you know, you guys do your shit. Go have fun. Do what you got to do. I'm staying home. Yeah, I mean, there's there's points in your life for everything. Yeah. And, and you know, I've gone through a lot of change in the last two years. And, you know, I used to love doing that, going out. No, me, fucked no. Up and, no, me too. You know, I mean, that was like, that was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. You know, but now more often than not, I mean, I find myself sitting at my kitchen table at like 2.30 in the morning, reading books, writing down ideas, you know, and, and it could never translate. It could translate to nothing. Yeah. It could translate oh, to zero. It yeah. could translate to something that I think is bad. Yeah. You know, but... I think most of the time it does. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of trial and error. A lot of trial and error. Same and, with music, same with... Everything. And it's maybe something that you, you feel like uh, will maybe like translate to someone or someone will understand it and it could often not hit but you know as, as someone that's like super dedicated to a craft it consumes you a lot and yes. and i would say like there's a lot of good and bad in that because in the part of my life that i did enjoy partying and uh -huh. whatever like that the obsession of good food did consume me to a point that it was in a to a bad place yeah too and I think that, that that translates to anyone who I agree. who likes craft and you know has something that they really are super passionate about. So there's like a super fine line. There is. You know, it could drive you mad. Being creative can drive you mad. Oh, it has plenty of times driven me mad. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So th there's like pros and cons to all of it, but at the end of the day, it's like it's that internal thing that just fuels you to like yeah. want to be better. Whether it's for yourself or for someone to have an experience that translates to something that they'll remember forever. Forever, exactly. And that's like, I always go back, my first concert ever was a Dave Matthews concert and I was 14. We were in Columbus and my sister took me, I said she was older, and I'll never forget that experience the ever. Homie, Mercy. Yeah, Mercy, shout out to shout Big Shout out, Mercy. legend. Yeah, legend. She's a legend. <laughs> that's scary. She's a legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. That's what I it know. is, yeah. And, and just like... That was an experience that I think I went from really enjoying music to like loving music because I'll never forget it was oh, just like this. That, that live experience is next level. Next level. Yeah, it was like, and it was crazy. It was super intense. And I mean, that was my first and I've been to like 14 Dave concerts since. Yeah. So it's just those experiences that change you forever. Forever. You know, and who knows, maybe you could have a show that touches someone like that one day or already has. 100%. So, anyways. <sighs> what else you, you guys We could got talk here? for hours. Yeah, I know. There, right? I mean, I, I, like, I'm... <clears throat> you guys are you're opening up something else soon, right? Yeah. Oh, man. What the fuck are you guys doing? How many things are you going to open? No, no, no. This is it for Stop a while. Stop it already, bro. What's huh? your deal? Stop oh, already, bro. thanks. Are there, Just open there already. <laughs> thanks. I opened up my day today at an 8 o'clock, <laughs> 8 a.m. meeting, operations meeting. Yeah, I mean... Um, Nave, seafood which, place. Seafood. Nave. Yeah. Um, supposed to open in September, you know, TBD. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's the – I'd say this. It's very interesting the position that I'm in now from a creative standpoint because Ariette is my, my baby, baby. Uh -huh. you know, and I still want to, like, nurture that creative aspect of that food. 
because I feel like it's still growing. And then, you know, we opened up Chugs, which was a little easier for me because those were all ideas that I've had for a long time. I've never, tra- I've just never translated them to paper yeah. and then to reality. And the Nave was like this total different thing, like collaborating with one of my dear friends to open, to partner up and open up a restaurant, Justin Flit, which is my um, co-chef and business partner. And, you know, it's just like totally different experience because now it's not just, you know, my creative thoughts. It's like, how do we collaborate and make this shit like really yeah, dope that's, together? That's your band right there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's and it's and it's interesting because I've um, I've always worked in a collaborative environment, but it's always been like, you know, my Cuban-American heritage. This is something completely different for me, you know, and we were talking about something in. Uh, this morning in the operations meeting and someone mentioned like plantains. I'm like, no, plantains just have to be at area. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense here. Yeah. You know, like for me and, and Justin to do this like collaborative album, if you will, it's like, it just doesn't make sense. It's got to like fit with the both of us and it's got to like flow with the both of us. And then on top of that, our chef de cuisine, his name is Nunzio, is amazing. Sounds amazing. Yeah, he is the man. Like, he is one of my favorite people on the planet. And he's super talented, too. And he's worked at, you know, two-star Michelin restaurant in Italy. And he ran Bocce Bar here. So he's incredibly talented, too. So it's like this whole, like, melding of ideas. And now it's like, well, that's how I do it. And then, oh, but I do it this way. Well, let's try it like that. And it's, when it comes to a creative aspect, it's it's a different part of my brain that I've never activated. Yeah. So it's... I, I won't say invigorating, but it, it's kind of like, it's it's just different, you know? And from a creative aspect, I feel challenged, which is good. For sure. Uh, that helps. And I feel like super excited to see what the final product's going to be. Because today, like 45 minutes of that meeting, we're like, well, here's a menu. Good chance this menu's going to be completely different, different day one. Menus. Yeah. But this is, the, this is like the format we're thinking. Do you feel people expect, like, since you're doing, you have the Cuban thing and the Cuban thing at Chuck, do you feel, do you think... People are expecting some sort of Cuban I aspect to the. To I, 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 I do like. Do you care? No, I don't you care. You don't care. Right? I don't right, care. Right, right. But I didn't think. I you think did. people know me well enough to never to don't expect. Like I'm just gonna. The one thing I always say is that we're just gonna do what feels right. Gotcha. You know, and in the dining room that is Ariette, certain things just feel right. You know, Navi is gonna open, and I think after we open, it's gonna take some like you know, shifting and well, this and, but I feel like this will work better. And how do you feel about this? And, you know, a lot of food is feeling and a lot of food is the guest too. Like, what does the guest want? What is, what, how is the guest experience being translated? So a lot of it is like, you know, we always have to take a step back and be like, all right, well, what have we learned after the first 30 days? Yeah. You know, we just did a new menu at Ariette. Maybe it's been two months, maybe 45 days or so, but you know, there's already been some shifting, you know, like I have a menu at home that's just got scribbles all over it. And it's just ideas and thoughts of like, well, we should move this here, we should move that there. And it's just like, I think people would read it, or understand it better here. And it's, it's always, uh, it's always like, you have to be open to change. Yeah. Because the one thing about our company is that we're not corporate in that regard. You know, I feel like the food should always kind of develop and it should grow with the concept too so you open up strong day one but it'll grow yeah and it maybe you could it could grow by subtraction or addition yeah you never know it's really the concept in the space is going to dictate that to you so it's exciting and like 
if nothing else, in the last year and a half of my life, I've learned like patience and uh, to be more methodical with my thought process. Because I am like super, I get an idea and I'm just like, let's do that idea. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't work like that. It, it's not, it doesn't translate to a good product all the time. Like, yeah, I can do one and it's great, but I got to do it now 50 times in a night. Yeah. It's totally different, you know? So I don't know. It, it's, it's fun yeah. and, and it's a lot of pressure, but I, I deal pretty good with pressure. Yeah. Pressure yeah, is like one. Si it's very similar to to writing music. Uh, the adding, subtracting, sitting on it, sitting on a song. Like, no, that doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound. Doesn't taste good. It's, it's kind of the same. We're in completely different fields, but I feel it's kind of like the the sitting on a song is a good example. When I worked for Norman, I don't know, it must have been like seven years ago. I thought of a dish, maybe more, but I thought of a dish, and the dish, he had a famous dish with the same protein. So I presented him the dish, and he said, well, this is, this is amazing, but we can't do this dish. We, we, we can't serve this because of this dish that you I've been doing for 25 years. And 100%, I totally respect that, and I totally get it. So I sat on the dish forever. Then I went to the Cypress Room. And the Cypress Room wasn't about me. It was about Michael Schwartz as a chef owner and Roel Alcudia as a chef de cuisine, which they are incredibly talented and amazing people in their own right. So it wasn't about me again. Yeah. I had to learn how to be a soldier and how to execute their food. Their plan. Okay. You know? And so I sat on the dish again for another three years. And then I'll never forget it. We did our first, like, little family-style dinner here, and I did it. And it was the first time I ever saw the dish the way that I envisioned it on a plate. And now the dish is still on our menu. Shit. Yeah, and it's like, you know, there it goes through its spells because it's, it's a foie gras dish. Not everyone digs that stuff. So, um... It goes through its spells that it doesn't sell a ton and then it'll sell a bunch. And then, you know, my chef de cuisine, because he's a, he is a man of um, things that just make common sense. If it doesn't sell much, why keep it? And I'm like, no, I, we, we need to keep it. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's not an option. We can't take it off because it's, it, it's so, like, deeply entrenched into, like, I was sitting on this forever and yeah. now, it's, now it exists. That's almost like, that is my... Like, I gave myself something. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I give the guests a lot here, too, but that was me giving myself, like, you did this. For you, you finally, you accomplished something that you set out to do, and you should be very proud of it. Yeah. So, it's and amazing. I think also as being a creative, and I think from a songwriter perspective, is learning to tell yourself that you are proud of something you did is huge. 100%. And it's super difficult for a creative person to say, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Because you're always going to second guess it and you're going to be like, it's not good enough and maybe it should have this and you're going to want to change it and you're going to want to do this, that, and the next. And it, sometimes you just need to stop and just yeah, be like, yeah. I'm proud of what we did here. Just leave it the fuck alone. 100%. Yeah, it happens. You hear a song I'm like, what? Ah, oh, man, I could have done that so yeah. much better. And then somebody else is like, yo, that song's amazing. You're like, all right, cool. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> works. Fuck it. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Body of a woman, but mommy's only 22, and she knows what to do. Every time she walks into a room, all the heads turn, but she plays it cool. As if she don't know she's una belleza. Tremendo cuerpo, tremendo caminar. Ella está completa. Beautiful lips mixed with them. Well, this was great. For sure. Amazing. This was great. This was good. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, 22 or so people listen to this. That's fine. We're going to get it up. We're going to pump those numbers. You've got to pump those numbers up. Yeah, we're trying. Shooting for 25. 25? 25. But you're big in somewhere. Can- where was it? Kansas. New Hampshire. New Hampshire New and Hampshire. Kansas. Kansas, right? So New, ha- New Hampshire per capita. No, no, New Hampshire, we're just big. <laughs> just big. Kansas, Kansas market share. Yeah. Kansas is about market share. Market share. That's what it's about. Salina, Kansas, specifically. Salina, Kansas. Your sister is actually, my sister is a food scientist in Salina, Kansas. Yeah, food no scientist. pressure. Yeah. She's been here to eat. Yeah, what does she think We should, we should about get her it? in here on the podcast. We should. Yeah. I think, should. I think it would be, I mean, that's a conversation for another time, but I think yeah. you guys are on such opposite sides of the food industry. Oh, man. She's, I love those. She's making Red Baron pizza. I know. I remember you told me. Yeah, if your Red Baron pizza ever has the wrong amount of pepperoni, blame let my her sister. Know. Blame let her, her know. Really? No, Red don't Baron. let her. Just blame her. Yeah. Send her an angry tweet. Yeah, an angry right. tweet. All right. Um, well, this is part of our uh, shameless plug yeah. section. So I'll, there- I'll, I'll let you, because just in case our shameless plugs make people leave, I'll uh, let you shameless plug your stuff first. For my oh. stuff? All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the band is Problem Kids. Um, all our social media is at Problem Kids 305. Um, my personal Instagram, I guess, is Marty Mar M I A M A R T I M A R M I A. Yeah, reach out, come out to a show, come eat at these amazing restaurants that you put together. Yeah, I'm still trying are- to get Mario to perform here for like oh, some kind of event. What? Well, I, I got some stuff. I already got the I got the equipment where I can perform wherever, and Perfect. I can it can kind of dumb it down with a guitarist and somebody else. It can be three of us. Does have to be a whole production? I like that. So you let me know. We've already done it once. And well, I, think it I mean, work. I think the next the the next thing would be to talk about the Ariat four year anniversary, which is when January. All right, J- January nineteenth. Okay. I'm yeah, in. so Let me see. you heard it here first. Problem Kids, January 19th <laughs> at Ariette for the four-year anniversary. Damn, the dumb, the dumb down Problem Kids. <laughs> maybe. It might be, yeah, it might, it might be a, it might be a, a solo Marty. You never know. Yeah, maybe we'll get the guys from Artificial out here. Those Columbus maybe. guys, too. Here we go. Danny. Shout out, Danny. Shout out to Danny. I love, I love Artificial, too. I love Artificial, too. I wish I would have listened to them more growing up and like gone to their live shows because I didn't really know about them until we started our thing. And then it was like, damn, they have two MCs. They kind of have the saxophonist. They kind of, it was like, oh, man, are we, like, competing with these guys? I kind of felt it was a little competition at first. Oh, no. But then, yeah, but then you get to meet those guys. And Dan, I, I was cool with Danny even before I started the music thing. Well, so. the, the sax player was one of our teachers. Coop. Coop. Mr. Coop. Cooper. Shout out to Mr. Cooper. Shout out to Mr. Cooper. Adelante. Adelante. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are pretty much all the... My plugs. All I don't the really plugs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead, Nick. He's the one with the plugs. Well, so you're, you're Pig Inc., yeah, I'm big on ink on all the things. You got this area at Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chugs, Diner. Chug, Chug, We're open all the time. Just Open all the time. Just visit. Just come, yeah. Come, eat some food, have a there good time. Go. We're trying to open another restaurant. Should be open soon. Um, yeah, that's all I got, really. All right. And then, so I'll end with our annoying shameless plug. Shameless plug. plug last oh. shameless plug. Oh, go, I'll be go in ahead. Cleveland this right. Sunday. Cleveland this Sunday. With Brett Sawyer at the Plum doing a, a dinner. Really? Yeah. I leave tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Uh, I'm actually going to try to interview. I'm going to try to set this up in Cleveland, yeah. so I'm totally going to fuck this oh, up. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing a little tutorial. Yeah. And I'll, I'll oh, write, yeah. thing, I'll I mean, write things down. You're going to write things down. It doesn't seem too hard. Yeah. It's not well, bad. When he came, I was like, that's all you have? It's like, yeah, that's all bad. you need. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going we're gonna to do a dinner. Yeah. It's going to be wild. Super wild. It's going to be a good time. Brett is the man. So nice. if you're good in Cleveland, come check us out. Cool. All right, so... Our shameless plugs. 
you can find Bangkong Podcast at, at Bangkong Podcast on all the things. Great name, Thank by you. the way. My, I told my brother today, and he was like, what a great well, I, fucking name. I thought of the thing, and you were like, that should be the name. Oh, well. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it was actually a, a it, we we together stole it from Mike because I wrote it on a Mike related thing on a tea time thing. Oh, a tea time. That was when we recorded at Chugs before you opened. Ah, and I was behind the counter serving Pancom podcast. Mike Ortiz lives on. That's right, Mike Ortiz. There's no escaping <laughs> Mike Ortiz. There's there's Another no legend. escape from the JoJo. He is a legend. He is a legend. He is a legend. Good guy. So, uh, all right, so you can find us at Pancom Podcast on all the things. Dadmag.com slash Pancom Podcast. Uh, send us all of your angry letters yeah. at pancompodcast uh, at dademag.com or uh, write us on any of those things if you want. Yeah, write reviews. If you want to be a Tell sponsor. Tell us we're great. Casio, yeah. we're waiting for you. Casio. Yeah. Stetson. I'm also nice. trying to get also a Stetson. sponsorship by Stetson. Stetson. Yeah. I do this thing that whenever I post pictures, I just tag <laughs> Stetson and Casio. Oh, you never one know. One day maybe. You never know. That's yeah. how the influencers do it, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. Maybe. Oh, um, fuck those guys. <laughs> and then f- before we go down that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Banco Podcast on all the things. And finally, the most important one that I know is Mike's favorite. You can follow Petey the Dog. Petey the Dog. Petey the Dog. P-E-A-T-Y yeah. the Dog dot, uh, not dot anything. At Petey the Dog. Fucking dog um, Instagram. He picked up three Christ. followers from the last episode. So three? This, is, this is huge for him. Wow. Yeah. Definitely What's he at now? 1.3? Million? Yeah. Yeah. About? Uh, like 1.3 dozen. 1.3 dozen. <laughs> bad. Uh, it's just a matter of time before he takes over Salina and overtakes yeah, us. Of course. So, all right, that's it. We're done. Thanks, man. Good job, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you.